Hello, welcome back to How AI Built This. Firstly, as with every episode, it is brought to you by the best technology recruitment company in the world, uh, Cathcart Associates. And yes, they did pay me to say that. Seriously, though, we're an independent organisation who for the last 10 years uh, have hired people with no recruitment experience, trained them up, and essentially given them opportunity of a lifetime um, to make a career. So I'm very proud to have played a small part in that success, um, and I'm very much looking forward to the next 10 years. So uh, big hats off to Cathcart Associates. Today on the podcast we have Luke Grimes. Uh, Luke is someone I've known for a very long time. Uh, In fact, he was one of the first people uh, I got to know very well setting up Cathcart Manchester. So we expanded into the Northwest and and Luke was a great help. He's very well connected. Uh, He ran his own tech company um, and is an all-round good guy. So other than many, many nights out together, um, he introduced us to some of his friends um, and as it transpired, we helped grow his business at the time. So a very interesting guy, some great stories. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. If anyone skipped intro, we've got Luke Grimes on, who's the head of digital services at ANS. We'll get to that though. We normally start on education and what people did to get where they are. You've got an interesting story. So you didn't go to uni? No, no, I didn't go to university. I think the only thing I did well in school was around business studies. So rather than going and sort of learning that in uni, I thought, well, I may as well just start one. I'm not going to lie, you didn't miss out on much. I did business studies at uni and you probably learned a hell of a lot more running your own business than I did theoretically talking about it at uni. Uh, so you did all right. Yeah, so was that kind of the plan then? So you finished uni, realized, uh, finished school, realised that business studies was a thing you enjoyed. I think so why just, bother? just like anyone else, I just didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Um, I was always just quite excited about starting a business of some sort, and, but didn't even really, really understand what kind of business I wanted to start. And having obviously a passion for technology, I thought I'd start there um, with a friend of mine um, from school. And we... Um, yeah, we sort of hit, hit the ground running and, and started the business in, in IT support before eventually getting into software and product development, which is sort of what I'm still doing 10 years later. It definitely worked out then. Yeah, I remember, so we've known each other for a while, but I remember you told me that you kind of basically taught yourself everything. And I don't mean just from running a business point of view, but like you taught yourself how to code, like you kind of just basically used that entrepreneurial drive to work it out. Yeah, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the internet is you can pretty much just teach yourself, well, especially like some of the, you know, the more modern skills that businesses are looking for around data science or AI or you know, programming. A lot of the information that you'd need to basically do those jobs quite well is, you know, you can find it on the internet. Um, and myself and my friend, when we were starting the business, um, you know, we, we that's where we looked really to teach ourselves the skills we needed in order to... Um, yeah, build software. It was like quite a fun way of doing it. Do you think? Do you think sometimes it gets lost when people do like four-year really structured degrees, or uh, they only learn from like the people they're working with or whatever. Like it was a quite a good way of doing it. It's just to you kind of like like mix and match and just find a way of doing it. Yeah, I think so. I think I mean back then in my early twenties, there was not really like no risk. There was no, nothing to lose as such. You know, just um, renting a, an apartment in Manchester. So. Um, you know, didn't have a family, didn't have a mortgage or anything else like that. So, yeah, you know, weren't really reliant on having, uh, you know, guaranteed salary coming in every month. I suppose if the question is like, do I think university or being self-taught is, you know, which one's better? 
I don't think there is a right answer because it just depends what's right for you. But I just wasn't really keen on um, any of the sort of vocational courses. You know, I didn't necessarily know whether I wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer or... Yeah. Um, I think they're the only people that really know what to do. You know, like I had mates that they needed the five A's to get into being like medicine, law. Like they were the only people I knew that had a clue about what they wanted to do. Yeah. And everyone no. else like me just did what what you the opposite of what you did but like went and did like business because it was kind of general I, I, I genuinely think it like and that unless it, like there's a few lucky people that really know what they want to do at such a young age but I think for most people until you're sort of in your mid-twenties you literally don't know what you want to do like yeah. I love what I do now I absolutely yeah. love the sector I work in I love the business that I work for I love what I do day to day but you know, I didn't sort of really figure that out until no, you probably in my mid, right? mid twenties. Yeah, sort of you you sort of grow into things. I think and grow to love things. And yeah. I think younger people that are coming out of uni, they 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 don't really have they they don't really they're not really it's not easy for them to to find out that thing until they've sort of experimented a lot. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think yeah. you need to experience things before you really know what you want to do. Mm. Um, that is one of the things that drives me crazy when people in data and uh, software development they, they uh, insist on degrees and we've had this chat on the podcast before but there's so many good examples of great self-taught people I think yeah yeah 100% some of the best people I've worked with um, have been self-taught yeah um, and I think if you have a passion to be good at something you will end up being good at it. You know, when it comes to digital and, and technology, it moves at such a rate that I think um, in some ways it, it it can be better than having a structured degree which is delivered over four years because of the, you know, the rate of pace of change is... Yeah, you end up behind, don't you? Well, you can end up behind. The curriculum could be out of date or would be out of date, especially if it's written, you know, once every four years. As I said, I don't have, you know, too much experience about... Yeah. ...about how those courses are delivered, but... But it could be, yeah. I mean, you definitely learn a lot more. I mean, like what you said, you learn a lot running a business. And it kind of segues on nicely to, you now work for a pretty large organization. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of the lessons you learned from running your own business were applicable here. And I'm also sure you've learned loads. Yeah, no, certainly. Like the business I had in my early ten- 20s was, you know, a, a relatively small one in com- comparison to where I am now. And yeah. working... With ANS has been great for me because you learn how um, enterprise organisations um, operate. You know, from a business model point of view, from an operating model point of view, um, and the, the challenges that they face are obviously completely different to the to the ones you'd see within an you know an SME market. I think. It's, it's, do you think it's been beneficial that you've seen both those things now? Yeah, so no, you can talk to. You can talk to small businesses, you can talk to massive enterprise organisations and you can kind of like, you almost feel like both pain points. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, um, the benefit of being small is you can be agile, right? And yeah. you, you can you can pick up and experiment with new t- things and new technologies much easier and much quicker than you can in, you know, in an enterprise environment. But, um, yeah, the, 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 the projects that I work on now, you know, much more exciting I think because of the the scale and, and complexity um, and the number of users you can often have a, an impact on yeah it's just I think it's different yeah um, and so what does the jo- job actually mean so we said head of digital services for ANS uh, if anyone doesn't know what ANS do what do they do but also what does your job mean 
Yes, yeah, so ANS are we're a cloud and digital service provider. We're um, three hundred staff. We've got um, two offices, Manchester and London. Nice. Um, customer base is split between private and public sector. So we work a lot around higher education. We've got over a hundred NHS customers. And we do a lot with local government, but then on the private sector side, we've got customers such as um, Jet2, Costa Coffee, um, really, really varied um, set of customers. And the kind of projects we deliver across digital are typically leverage your industry for technologies. So it's AI, IoT, big data, cloud native application development um, to deliver yeah, business transformation and uh, fundamentally um, achieve business outcomes for our customers. Nice. And the cloud side of things is, I suppose, more of your traditional IT services, so around connectivity, networking, um, hosting, and um, that breadth and depth of, uh, of service offering we have at ANS is quite good because it means that we're sort of like not really limited in the kind of service we can deliver to customers. Yeah, okay, nice. Given that this is an AI podcast, loosely, what, what, where does your job cover some of the AI works? I know that you've sat on loads of panels recently, you've had some like sure. posts about AI, so I know it's an area of interest, but where does that come into it? Um, I suppose my job really is to help customers navigate the uh, commercial challenges of user-centric application design and build. So what that effectively means is helping customers define in like an early set of requirements <coughs> for a digital project vision. Yeah, okay. And helping them take that idea from inception through to market. Um, where AI comes into that, I suppose, is um, if, if a customer has a business problem or an opportunity that they want to realise, again, my job is, I suppose, to, to, to look at what technologies are available and map that to, you know, put together a solution that could help them potentially solve that business problem. And AI might be one of the components that, yeah, that okay. sort of slots into that as an example working with a university to help them achieve to help them understand the likely grade outcome that a student might get yeah okay um and how would you do that it's about connecting the relevant data sources into a common data platform in the cloud and um, such as attendance feedback on local university services um whether it be um, previous grade results yeah how many books they've they've taken out of the library for example if these are on decline you might be able to use predictive analytics in the cloud to give um and you know and a, yeah a, a prediction on their likely grade outcome i'm glad you didn't do that for me because i would feel badly <laughs> on attendance books out of the library uh, it's good because cool, it, it costs universities quite a lot of money every time a student leaves. So if they've oh, got, if they've got, if they're using predictive analytics to understand the likely grade outcome uh, of a student or whether they're likely to, to drop out of university, yeah, um, they've got the, that visibility then to to perhaps intervene if they if they want to. Yeah, they can to. grab it before the person leaves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's no, interesting. Another really cool project we did recently was actually here at the. At the, at the head office um, so we're at, trying uh, to Manchester Science Park for anyone that doesn't know yeah so we were trying to solve the parking problem so when you're looking at a, you know a car parking bay if you look into uh, sorry a car parking environment and you're looking to um, figure out the number of car parking spaces that are available yeah. traditionally you would have to dig up the tarmac and put a sensor in the in the ground and then connect that 
over a network. Yeah, and that's um, not one of the kind of flashes saying like space is available type thing. Yeah, it's just a sensor that sits yeah. under the under the tarmac, and then you need to change the battery within that sensor every like fifteen years. Oh. And each sensor costs quite a lot of money. Yeah, but so if you've got ten thousand car parking spaces, like a large hospital, for example, it's not going to work. It's not really going to be viable as a solution. No. So instead, what we did was we installed a camera um, outside the exterior of the building and trained um, a machine learning model to identify what a car looks like yeah. and then what a car parking bay looks like nice. and then what the car looks like in the bay and out of the bay. And we actually had loads of challenges along the way. For example, if it rained and there was a puddle on the ground, yeah, okay. it, would sh- it would show a reflection of the vehicle. Oh. The, the, car, the, the ML model um, would think there's two cars in the same spot. Just like blow up. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, but we we sort of got through these teething problems, and then eventually we were able to, using um, yeah, a machine learning model and a, and one camera, um, installed on the exterior of the building, we were able to see, um, the number of spaces which were available in real time, and then to take that a step further, we wanted to try and figure out whether we could perhaps, um, understand whether a car parking space would be free next week. So you're looking at like yeah the, the future the car parking stuff. spaces of it. How do you do that? So this is where you're using you know the the cloud services that either Microsoft Azure or you know Amazon Web Services yeah. provide, and you you'd be connecting again the relevant data sources required in order to to achieve that. For example, we 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 connected in our HR software. So if I'm on holiday, my car parking space is likely to be free. Yeah, then we connected okay. open source data sets such as the Met Office. So if yeah. it's snowing, people are less likely to perhaps come into work and more likely to work from home. I mean, um, it's quite an apt time to be talking about working from home because the car park's going to be empty soon. Yeah, yeah, or like meet, meeting information as well. Yeah, okay. um, so if you've got stuff in your calendar, calendar off-site, it knows you're not going to be in, well, you might not or be in the Yeah, space. you might be off-site with a customer or you might yeah. be in the London office. So you can basically get all these relevant data sets, structure them semantically in a data platform in the cloud. Yeah. And then let's say we're looking at Microsoft, for example, you would use the, uh, as your ML studio has got a load of really, really good, basically neural networks that you yeah. can you can that you can leverage to, to understand the um, to, to understand things like predictive analytics or pattern recognition. There's loads of different um, loads of different tools and services in there that you can use. Did you have to train the models on like because there's so many different variations of cars? Like how clever is it? Noticing like vans, four by fours, motorbikes, scooters. Like did you have to just cover up all the bases? So well, yeah. So certain things like easier to. Um, um, consume, I guess, because like when it comes to cars, again, there's a lot of like open source yeah. image data sets of vehicles. Yeah, people have needed to do like car recognition for other projects. Exactly. Yeah. So things like cars or animals or numbers and things like that. Like there are a lot of really good open source data sets yeah. that you can use, such as images, and load that into your model. Because AI is only as good as the data that you give it. Yeah. Um, the more data, the more accurate it should be in theory, as long as it's structured correctly. Um, but like we're, ge- we're generating more and more data every year. Um, I think um, Satya from uh, Microsoft said like 80% of the world's data was generated in the last 12 months. Yeah, that number keeps going up as well. Mm. You remember when they first started using that statistic, it was definitely like 50%, and now it's like 80%. Mm. I've got the perfect customer for you guys for using that AI car parking thing. We've got a client that we're going to see quite a lot. It's, it's getting like beyond a joke. Like people have to come in earlier and earlier 
because they've filled a car park, they're parking on the street, they're parking on the road. Sure. Like, it's, it's craziness. It is. Um, it, it's like, um, I think, a very big problem for a lot of businesses. Yeah. I think when you go out of town a little bit, you think, like, we'll have a car park, all the staff will love it. But then when you keep growing, obviously everyone keeps bringing their car in and then it becomes actually, actually becomes an issue. You can take those kind of things a lot further as well by, like, looking at, you know, the end-to-end user experience, thinking, how could that how could you really wrap a, a you know a digital service around that that sort of capability yeah and then you can start looking at things like wayfinding as well so yeah, maybe okay. when you arrive to you know um, a location you have an application which can direct you to a specific car park and then a specific car parking base you might have multiple car parks yeah again coming to hospital um, looking at a hospital as an example you know they have, often have multiple car parks and certainly, you know, lots of different bays and navigating that can be a challenge. And, you know, if you can get patients in and out of a hospital faster, yeah. th- th- what kind of impact does that have on, on KPIs such as patient wait time, for example? Yeah. Um, also just making the whole hospital experience more like, yeah, not enjoyable because no one likes going to hospital, but like, like as a visitor as well. Hmm. Like not making that more stressful than it has to be. Yeah, It's no, a definitely. relatively simple bit of technology once it's, you've got the data. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, it's part of your job telling clients what's not possible as well. Um, Do you find that? Because I think obviously with the size of AIS customers is slightly different, but I know sure. that when people are doing AI projects, sometimes you'll get a customer that will come to you and ask for, they'll ask for some AI because it's in the news. Yeah. And they've, seen, and they've seen you on a panel talking about AI. Sure. So yeah. do, they, do they then just expect something like magical? Um. To, to, to be honest, yeah, some, sometimes customers will um, want to understand what the art of the possible is when yeah. you're looking at, I suppose, those next-gen technologies like yeah. like um, AI, as an example. Um, but often I don't think it's productive to start with the technology and look for problems to solve. The technology is the, the almost irrelevant and understanding the business problem the business challenge the business opportunity is 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 really what matters because you might not need any technology to solve you know a business process or you know a people it could be a people problem it could yeah. be a systems problem so where you come in like early is that you work out what is the problem and then talk about it yeah and then come up with various solutions that may well involve technology yeah yeah effectively well, probably will involve technology given who you work for but it doesn't always have to, like you said. Yeah, often you, you might have a, yeah, let's say a business problem, business challenge, and you, you might have a hypothesis to potentially solve that yeah. that problem. Um, or yeah, And then you could define a project vision. Um, and then you would effectively try to go to market with as little as possible to test that assumption. Because you only really can prove your assumption when the product or the new service is in the hands of the end user. Yeah. And you can test that and make a data-driven decision. Um, And that's why sort of lean methodologies and agile works really, really well when you are working on sort of more, you know, innovative digital projects. Ones which, yeah, often you want to start with sort of a minimum viable product or proof of concept. Okay, constant Uh, iterations after that. Yeah, uh, obviously like the way you would deliver a digital project is is, is very different to how you deliver a lot of say cloud, large scale cloud cloud migrations or, you know, infrastructure projects. Yeah, okay. And and agile methodologies are not not always well suited. Um, How dare you, everyone says agile is amazing. (laughs) 
Uh, no, you're bang, like no, you're Chris absolutely bang on. Other project management um, methodologies uh, can be well suited. Oh, 100%. Depends what you're doing, really. Do you quite like working somewhere that has no like affinity to certain technology so like the fact that you can go yeah, to a company yeah. and the best solution might be something you've never used or it might be something that you know inside and out but the whole point is it's the best thing for that problem yeah I mean a and we have really strong relationships with both AWS and Microsoft Azure yeah. and the plethora of services tools and technologies that, that both of those vendors provide is is extraordinary yeah um, so we They're are spending how, that, I mean, billions between them Oh yeah, like it's, it's many, insane. Many. They're <laughs> continuously bringing new products to market, and we're one of the leading UK partners. We're actually um, an MSP, um, uh, and what that effectively means is that we are a trusted delivery partner for both vendors. Nice. Being agnostic within that, yeah, I do feel like we are. I would describe us as agnostic in yeah. terms of the technologies that we that we can use and deliver. Um, and, and, and coming back to you know the headcount which I mentioned earlier out of the 300 people that work here at ANS there's a 2 to 1 ratio between technical and, and sales yeah okay um, so there's a lot of different skill sets within within the organisation yeah and if you're working on a quite a large scale solution let's say it's a smart a smart building or a smart hospital let's yeah. say um, that's going to encompass a lot of different technologies a lot of different consult- consultants that are going to be required to deliver a solution like that yeah um, right away from procuring, installing, and connecting sensors throughout the hospital, through to um, cloud native application development and product design and data engineering. There's there's like a lot of different people and components in, uh, you know involved in order to deliver something like that, and and that's quite exciting and it's great to be part of, of, of uh, yeah, I suppose the end to end capability that we can deliver. Yeah, that's one of those things that you just like. It's just the harsh truth of it that if you work for a small business you're not going to get the like huge hospital IOT projects because there's so much involved that you just can not the whole, not all of it you might yeah, you, you might you might, might get a part yeah, yeah you might get but a you part, get to be involved from like the first meeting with mm. that NHS body trust hospital whatever all the way through to delivery yeah which sure. is pretty cool yeah one of, one of the one of the really exciting projects I've done this year is Working with um, a Greenfield University, one of the, and the, the the first of its kind in in forty years, and the reason that's been exciting is because there hasn't been any sort of legacy enterprise IT sort of landscape to to, to have to consider. That's rare. Yeah, well, yeah, very rare. So um, we effectively, you know, worked with them to design. Um, well, what a blueprint of a, a sort of a next gen university would look like from an IT and digital point of view. That's awesome. Um, what available technologies can we use to drive um, the best possible student, learner, teaching experience? That's quite cool as well because universities are by nature quite, um, like they're quite historic. Mm. So some of them have been around for so long that changing things is actually quite hard yeah no definitely and not because they don't want to maybe just because it's they're they're massive it's the symptom of I think a lot of large businesses the the bigger you get the harder the ship is to turn and 100% um, you know the more the more you have within your application estate and your IT landscape as that becomes more and more complex and perhaps the organisation is growing through acquisition it becomes very very difficult yeah then you've got like two systems coming in yeah it's difficult to maintain that visibility and and, um, yeah address address technical debt and 
that's why that was a particularly exciting project for me. But um, again, a lot of sort of examples of uh, you know um, within that. You've spoken on a lot of panels as well, and you you've had kind of. I remember this. I think it was even before ENS. You were you sat in a panel in Manchester about AI, mm. and that was at the point where we were probably at the peak of it back then. So it was maybe three years ago, four 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 years ago. Yeah, where everyone was just going crazy for AI. Sure. And I think your point on that one, if I remember rightly, is like it's already here. Like. Yeah, it'll be all right. <laughs> and like you kind of calmed the room down a little bit because it was getting a little bit like I don't know, like a little bit hysterical. Yeah, a lot of people um, worry that AI will take their jobs. Um, oh, yeah, we talk about this all the time. Like, what yeah. do you think? Before I tell you what I think, um, in the short term, it will create a lot more jobs. Yeah. In fact, um, agreed. In the long term, I mean, to find long term, but yeah, eventually we're going to see more and more and more automation. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean people are going to be out of work because people will get retrained, reskilled, and um, I think the hardest things for AI to truly automate are around uh, things such as creativity. Yeah. Um, you know, anything that requires human contact. Yeah. Just now, on maybe not exclusively, but if you need to speak to a human and there's a decision to be made, that might not change that much. Mm. Like I think it'll take away a lot of the initial stuff. If you think about it from like a help desk or a support. A query you could probably get the first couple of stages done using like chatbot AI, yeah, yeah something like that but eventually you're gonna to need to speak to someone yeah so we're, we're doing a lot in that space we do a lot of sort of um, yeah, we do a lot of chatbot development whether it be um first line IT support yeah. you know on IT service desks or whether it be um chatbots in you know finance and, and banking around customer service etc and chatbots yeah, are great. One, yeah. Chatbots are great because they're just a really human-centric way of having a conversation with someone. I've been tracked by loads of chatbots. Mm. Convinced I was speaking to someone. Yeah, and I think and as technology gets better and as product development gets better, it's becoming more and more difficult to understand the difference between a human on the other end of a phone and yeah, a chatbot. But yeah, like 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 you said, you know, AI has been around. Well, the the term AI has been around since the fifties. Yeah. Coined by a guy called John McCarthy at the Dartmouth conference, and you know, it was worked on even prior to that by Alan Turing. Yeah. And we've had things that we used to call AI that we don't really call AI anymore. Like the the software that used to land airplanes, we used to call that artificial intelligence. Yeah. And now we don't. You know. Um, you could say like Siri or Alexa you know we call those artificial intelligence but you know we've coined them as different phrases now yeah I think it uh, used to be an all-encompassing thing like anything mm-hmm. that was slightly intelligent yeah people yeah. just used to jump on AI and even when people hired data scientists they just hired like generic data scientists sure yeah. whereas now I think there's way more it's a bit more detailed a bit more detailed a bit more siloed like some people have got expertise and this some people are using that like I think it's maybe it's actually we're in a better place than when I when you were at that conference I think mm, mm. I think people are starting I think it's got a bit more mature I mean the Turing test is basically if you can't tell the difference between a computer and a human then it should be considered AI <laughs> I think um, you know the rate of advancement is just it's extraordinary oh it's terrifying um, so yeah fast forward 50 years everyone might be out of a job because everything is automated you know the way we deliver all of our all of the things we need you know as oh, a human boss race was, my boss was telling me the other day uh, not Gordy Sam uh, was telling me that Uber 
apparently just hedging their bets that nobody will have cars in like 20, 30, 40 years or whatever it is. It'll all be self-driving. And that's when they'll make their money because they'll be the people who's either they must be developing it in the background or whatever. Mm. Like that's where they're going to swoop in and just be the absolute global leader in transport. Like right now they're just doing it because... I think it's difficult to know, like, in, you know, in 1903, we flew, the, our first, Wright Brothers flew the first aeroplane, and then 66 years later, we were on the moon, like, that that's insane in terms of the, the well, rate. It's just a ridiculous rate, rate of progression. So yeah. fast forward another sort of 50, 60 years, I've no, I've literally no idea. Like, that's I mean, quite fun. I would be scared to guess. Well, I would, some, there is, like, people have all these meetings about, like, what is, what is the world going to look like in... Well, we're in 2020 so people are saying like 2030, 2040, 2050 like I don't think we know what it's going to look like in 2025 no, yeah. like why are we trying to guess 20, 30 years because some of the stuff is just mental yeah no I mean like in the 60s if you talked about the concept of the internet they would have thought you were insane <laughs> you know and, yeah. and that was what yeah 50, 60 years ago so um, it's one of those things as well that um there's the flip side of that. Everyone said by 2020 it would be driving like hoverboards. Oh yeah. And, like, so like people, you, nobody ever gets it right. So mm. we're just gonna have to wait and see. Mm. Um, but what did you think? Uh, what does 2020, the rest of it, look like in your role? I suppose for ANS, but also just generally with kind of AI and data. Like, do you see yeah. much more of the same that you've been doing in terms of cool projects? Anything that you I see? I think spiking? we're gonna see. Um, yeah, enterprise organisations uh, em- embrace digital more and more, um, and and really look to, to to digital to to achieve their their business goals. And and um, <laughs> me personally, I think I'll be working on a lot more data projects, a lot more yeah. AI focused projects. Does it scare you if the companies you go into don't have a digital approach, or is that where ANS kind of rubs their hands and they get to like have a real I think go at something new? I think it's rare that you don't. And when that you know businesses aren't looking at digital as as a way to innovate or as a way to improve you know their customer staff experience. Yeah. And um, one thing my my boss my uh, CTO always talks about is the death of the the five year IT strategy. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, as a as a business, we used to try and get our hands on the the five year IT yeah. strategy our customers so we could plan and you know adapt um, our own service offering. Um, Do they just not have for our customers? Five year strategies anymore? Yeah, that you're just seeing less and less of that as as um, coming back to I suppose you know doing a full circle back to the. Um, the the rate of change in technology and yeah. how perhaps you know you, you know you're able to maybe get a better education being self taught. Um, yeah, you can't really predict five years down the line. So what's the point? In yeah, having the, a three the curriculum is re- rewritten every four years. I would um, in certain in certain verticals within within technology. I would argue it's perhaps out of date by the time it's even delivered. Yeah. Um, um, but I might be showing my ignorance there because, as I said, I've never, I've never actually. Yeah, been to university so. nobody fact checks anything on the podcast so it's fine. <laughs> uh, we can just make it up you said loads more data projects do you mm. think that anyone can make use of AI from a company perspective so I'm thinking like if you're uh, the owner of a large like stonemason company outside mm. of Manchester mm. can they use their data to get better results I think almost every organisation can use data to get better results the reason I think I will end up working on or ANS will, will work on a lot more data focused projects is because um, I think the cloud gives the ability to structure data and host data in a way that is much more difficult when you're doing it on premise um, 
a lot of the customers that I speak to want to achieve a single view of their customer, um, whether that be to improve your operational efficiency or whether that's be so you can draw better better is better business insight. Um, the, the challenge is, is extracting those data sets from various different siloed systems. Yeah, is that one of your biggest things where you go into a company and there's just data everywhere? So obviously that's great. Yeah. But you need to work out where is it, what is it, and also, is it useful? And also understand, yeah, you know, exactly, is it useful and, and what do you need it for? Yeah. Um, yeah, we've had that with customers who want to hire a data scientist because they have lots of data, mm-hmm. and they do, but like, if you don't really know what what you need from your data or what, yeah. Yeah, what you want. Um, There's one part of it really important and it will result in more sales and the rest of it is just like yeah, stuff you don't really need. Because the data really is just a tool. It's yeah. a tool that you're going to use to make a better, more informed business decision or it's going to be a tool that you use to enrich and enhance your business applications. Yeah, I think coming back to your question around AI and, and whether it can be applicable, I think it is applicable to every organisation. There's, there's value and benefit that you can you can gain from it. You might not know exactly where that is at the moment, but you know that that's something that a partner like ANS would help with. I suppose yeah. identify those areas that you could perhaps let you know benefit from that technology. Especially if they don't have an in-house technology team. I think that's quite an important mm. distinction as well. I think everyone sure. assumes data science means technology, mm. which obviously it does when you're doing it. But like loads of companies don't have the need for IT in their business other than maybe someone to support the system they use. Sure, yeah, and I think um, uh, some organisations have that view that um, as technology becomes you know, bigger and more integral, um, there's a lot more people required, I think, um, in order to be able to, to, to deliver you know, a lot of digital projects. So um, whether you want that in-house or not, um, I suppose it depends on the strategic direction of the business. But. I just think there's so many businesses that don't need technology teams, they need help with technology, mm. um, which I think was where obviously someone like you guys can come in and almost like show them what's possible. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the fun bit though. That's yeah. the, that's, 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 that's a great the, bit your That's job, the yeah. creative bit. But I think you know, where, where I'm seeing AI applied most is around stuff like um, yeah, predictive analytics, yeah. Um, Certainly, or you know, really around some of the cognitive services that you can leverage in cloud, such as um, real-time translation services, or um, you know, image recognition. We're seeing a lot around facial recognition now, and I know that's a hot topic around some of the ethics. That, well, let's um, get into that. What do you think? What's your opinion? Um, I think re- really it comes down to transparency with the customer. Yeah. Um, if you're recording someone's face. Most people are going to be, a, a, you know, um, put up a big, you know, be a bit, be objective to that. Yeah. Um, however, if they can understand why you're doing it, and yeah. understand that there is a value to them, whether it be around security or providing a better shopping experience as you walk into a um, a supermarket, let's say, and then you know they're using facial recognition to perhaps advertise more appropriate products to you. I don't know. Oh, I've um, seen the one where you walk past like a billboard in yeah, Arndale, billboard, and I'll yeah. say like, "Oh, Liam, you should go up to the JD Sports because <laughs> they'll know that I like trainers." Yeah, like, and that could be that could be scary to most people. Um, but if they understand perhaps you know um, why that's happening and the technologies that's being used, and it in and it's being you know the data is going to be. Um, Secured in the right way and used in the right way. Yeah, so think, some people would be open to it. I don't think anyone would disagree that facial recognition cameras 
for safety in the streets of like Manchester, Edinburgh, London is a bad idea. I think what people would probably argue is that how is it stored? Yeah, exactly. Are, are, yeah. You, are, you, are, you, are you selling it to third parties mm. to pay for the cameras? Like stuff like that. Like <laughs> that's where I think people would get pissed off at it, but not. Yeah. I don't think the the theory behind it is bad. Mm. And the shopping one's a bit weird. I don't know. I suppose there is people that would just be a sucker for marketing. Like if it popped up well, saying, look, the, you should buy these the, new headphones, you're the, like, oh, maybe I should. The question is, would you like to see adverts that are personalised to you and relevant to you or yeah. not? Um, That's what it's like on Amazon as well. Like mm. You look at one thing and then you've got a bunch of recommended ads and you're like, oh, fine, I'll buy it. <laughs> so, I mean, it definitely works. Yeah. Um, Some people find it, you know, yeah, a bit too much though. So, What do you think of, uh, well, it's not really a question, but you mentioned the translation stuff. Mm. I read something about, I think it was Google, if you have the headphones in and you're speaking a different language it will just instantly translate yeah sure I yeah mean, that's, that's all that, you know, really really um, that's insane again the, the, the what the cloud brings is the ability to build applications at a much uh, much faster rate but then also leverage all of the amazing cognitive services that are that that you know the likes of Azure and and, and AWS supply, yeah. and and it's the it's the commercial model that underpins that. That means that businesses can use it because yeah. it's effectively SaaS. You know, it's a um, pay per per user con- consumption model. I yeah. mean, you can you can actually do machine learning. You can install machine learning software on premise infrastructure. However, it's it's very expensive in comparison to what you can do in cloud. Yeah, that was one of the things. I the, the one of the guys that's been on before, Adam. He works um, for a kind of Microsoft focused, more Microsoft focused consultancy. Mm-hmm. But he, one of his points was, and it's kind of similar to what you're saying. Like Microsoft and Amazon are spending so much money mm-hmm. on building these cognitive services, building these cloud platforms. Like you don't have to go and do it. Like you don't have to build something from scratch anymore. You don't need you, to know how make, to write your own neural network. No, make use of the AI, person yeah. that's spending billions. Yeah, but apply it correctly. Yeah, like with the translation service, like if especially if you've got you know customers that span span the world and you yeah. you know speak lots of different languages, to offer that functionality, you know, is a is made much simpler and much more cost effective. By the likes of your, you know, your cloud players. Yeah, you can. I mean, I don't think people can do that themselves to the same level. So, you can make, like you said, you make use of it, and you don't have to worry about being on premise. You don't have to worry about that stuff. Um, it's just about understanding what value that can deliver, because it could be an you know, increased um, sales conversion, or you know, better, better, better user experience, or um, yeah, more first time fixes because people are able to communicate with you in their native language. Yeah, you're not going looking forward all the time. Yeah, um, but I think it's an exciting part of technology. Is what's your uh, what's your like absolute AI aspiration in terms of like hmm. if if something could happen? Sure, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't even have to be work related. If something that could yeah I could do, what would it be? Oh. Um, I don't even have that written down. That came off the top of my head. Yeah, it's a really good question because there's, <laughs> there's like so many good answers to that. You could, I mean, I could be really altruistic and say that it would solve, you know, all environmental issues perhaps, or I could be more um, focused around like the longevity of the human race and say that AI could figure out um, how to reverse the process of aging cells, you know, yeah. so that we can live longer. Um, but I think I think in the short term, um, advancements in genetic engineering coupled with AI could 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 result in some really exciting stuff um, happening around 
around healthcare. So I, I think in the not too di- distant near future, we'll see um, yeah AI and genetic engineering used to to solve a lot of like hereditary diseases, a lot of yeah things that we struggle to do without without those two technologies. It's just, the, it's just, the, it's the pace, right, and the volume mm. you can deal with when it comes to technology. You can just, like it's just yeah. You just can't do it. I mean, there's an AI that's been developed which is better than the world's best human pathologists at predicting lung cancer survival. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. um, Which is really, really exciting. And, you know, AI has been looked at within, you know, the healthcare system in the the UK to improve the improve the time it takes to, to diagnose yeah we're even looking at it for like coronavirus now because obviously that mm. spread isn't yeah there was a there's a so startup like, i read about the other day yeah, that could they do something to help predict either i don't know if it was predicting where it might go predicting the 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 pattern of growth it was yeah, yeah. so it's just a kid could they use they that based in scotland as well i'm sure <laughs> everything that comes out of scotland so probably yeah. um that's a much more sensible it. answer than i was anticipating which i like i thought you were going to go like full-on <laughs> I don't know what I thought. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's it's everywhere now. AI. You know, I'm seeing it more and more. You know, across all sectors. There was there's an AI um, investment fund now, which is yeah. like outperforming all of the other fund managers. That uh, yeah, I think if you've got any at the right time on that, like they'll be just mm. sweeping up. Mm. Uh, do you think it? Do you think stuff? So uh, we always talk about this in the podcast as well, but like the stuff that makes the news. Yeah. So driverless cars taking your like people taking your job like robots taking your jobs like blah 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 blah. do you think that stuff is gonna happen or do you think that's just the stuff that like people like to talk about and in reality it'll be the healthcare stuff it'll be the like it'll be all the other things we've already talked about it's all happening now I, i read something the other day and it basically was talking about when you go through a revolution you only really notice it after it's happened. Yeah. Um, nobody knows it's happening. Nobody while knows you're it's doing happening. It'll be like, oh, right, that's automated now. Or, oh, right, that's an AI that's doing that now. And you'll be like, I think it'll be very similar with things like self driving. All of a sudden, you'll you know, be like, wow, everyone has got a self driving vehicle. I hope not. <laughs> I, like, I like driving well you probably also, have the option to do one of the e I said this to my boss as well and he talked about Uber and he, I said I like driving and he was like yeah but some people are really bad at it so mm. if everyone was self-driving it would in theory make it safer and I was like alright fair enough you've got me there you probably have the option to do both don't you I would think I don't think you could drive about and I'd like to people would have said the same thing back in the day they'd be like oh, I love riding my horse I don't want, <laughs> a, I don't want a car one of these stupid Fords and you can still ride your horse can't you it's not the dual carriageway no not the dual carriageway um, uh, I, just don't, I don't know I think the way we're going I don't think in 10, 20, 30 years time that you could drive around a 2 litre car while everyone's in like a hybrid self-driver you'd be that, you'd be that guy yeah um, but yeah you're right I think that's an amazing point that you don't really know you're in a massive like in like well a massive kind of like shift mm. it's just going to happen yeah it's happening now I think you know across all sectors all verticals you know. even a more basic thing like the IoT stuff like my mum and dad are in their 60s and they've got Alexa hooked up all over the house yeah like and they're getting the light switch turned on by like plugs Again, and like he, they, they're not technology people I, I, the IoT industry is is, is set to grow drastically mm. um, again but again IoT and you know has been a, as, a, as a technology let's say has been around again a long long yeah, time yeah it's not a new thing is it it's no just, it's not, not a new thing the technology is catching up to help them implement I IoT. absolutely love it um, I think your example of like hospital schools uh, meeting like rooms is another really good one with huge buildings yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I was one of those things this might not be relevant but 
it drives me insane when I'm in Manchester or Edinburgh and it's nine o'clock at night and mm. there's full office buildings with all the lights on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like either it's a manual process or the automation process isn't very good or whatever. I don't really know the the reasoning behind it. But surely, if we had like, all the smart technology we will have, yeah, it should just be in complete darkness. Just have a motion sensor, and then as soon as someone walks out the room, you just turn the lights off. Yeah, but our sales director doesn't like the fact that you have lights on during the day. So if you're in your house, you don't have the lights on during the day. The wide offices do it. And I was Very like, true. I don't know. Very true. It's just people do it. All right, I think we covered loads. Brill, thanks for having me. No, you're welcome. Uh, excited to see. Will there be more stuff about the university project you were talking about? Will that come out? Lots and lots and lots of stuff to come out um, nice. over the next few months. Where maybe. do we find uh, Where do we find you on social media? Where do we find ANS? My Twitter handle is Grimes was taken. Um, ANS is at ANS Group, I believe. Or nice. you can check out the site, which is ans.co.uk, and all of our projects and things we get up to are on there. Nice. Have you got any speaking engagements lined up after this? Yeah, there's a few things in the diary. Nice. Um, up in Manchester and and in London, actually. Nice. Um, people can see you all over. Yeah, I usually post post that kind of thing out on Twitter anyway. So yeah, nice. If um, you follow me on there, you'll uh, you can see. Sounds good. Uh, all right, perfect. Well, thanks for coming on. And I'm sure we'll catch up with you soon. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, perfect. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening, everyone. That was fun. Thanks to Cathcart Associates for sponsoring it. I really couldn't do it without them. Um, and thanks to Luke for coming on. What a busy man. I had a great time catching up with him. I've not spoken in a couple of years, but honestly, I felt like being back in a pub at 3 a.m. in Manchester, shooting the shit, basically. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you found his story um, inspiring. And I'll speak to you all again soon.